And happy 4th of July, America. This is Doug Hagen with the Delegator Daily Thought Podcast. Yes, if you're left, you just ain't right. And yes, this is the podcast that ain't woke, my friends. We ain't got no time for woke. Let's get right into the material, though, on this July the 4th. The birthday of the greatest nation that God has ever raised up on the face of his God's green earth. Yes, I do love America. And if you don't like it, if you got a problem with me loving America, uh, you got two lips, I got an ass, do the math. That's what I think of your opinion. Now, let's start off, my friends, with some, well, with some... Let's call it the two sides of Clarence Thomas. Let's look at the greatness of Clarence Thomas, my favorite Supreme Court Justice. The man, I think, who is the ideal Supreme Court Justice. Well, we know about the opinion recently from the Supreme Court that struck down, basically kicked to the curb, the the idiotic Marxist notion that uh, affirmative action is a good thing. That the government should be in the business of awarding and punishing people based on race. Because that's what it boils down to. Uh, Legal Insurrection blog has some uh, has a lot of quotes from the, actually excerpts from the uh, decision. Uh, what Thomas wrote about it, Justice Thomas wrote about it. And here's a tweet that has to be seen. Mark Hemingway on Twitter, um, he actually, or he tweeted this, he tweeted, I am actually embarrassed as an American that a Supreme Court justice is using the phrase lived experiences. Are there non-lived experiences? He's talking about uh, the opposite of what Clarence Thomas is. He's talking about uh, the... uh, the non-biologist member of the court, uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, and uh, in her dissent, she was all for keeping affirmative action because I care, apparently she likes racism somehow. Uh, she wrote from her dissent. <clears throat> Uh, with let them keep, let them eat cake obliviousness today. The majority pulled the ripcord and announces uh, color blindness for all by legal fiat, but deeming race irrelevant in law does make it so in life. And having so detached itself from this country's actual past and present experiences, the court has now been lured, <coughs> excuse me, into interfering with the crucial work that UNC, that's University of North Carolina, and other institutions of higher learning are doing to solve America's real world problems. No one benefits from ignorance. Although formal race-linked legal barriers are gone, race still matters to the lived experiences of all Americans in innumerable ways, especially in the demented mind of Ketanji Brown-Jackson who doesn't know what a woman is, can't define a woman because she's not a biologist. She's not very smart either. Uh, Yes, I'm mocking the intellect of a Supreme Court justice because this clown doesn't belong in a court. 
She doesn't believe in America. She obviously hates this country. She doesn't believe that all races are equal or they should be treated equally and equitably. They don't. She doesn't believe that stuff. She believes we ought to go in into perpetuity, apparently, uh, judging and uh, appraising and awarding people or punishing people, depending on, on which side they're on, uh, in college admissions and other things in life based on their skin color and the skin color of others they're competing against. Garbage. Garbage, garbage, garbage. The best can be said of the majority's perspective is that it proceeds ostrich-like from the hope that preventing consideration of race will end racism. Of course it will. If you stop using race as a factor, Einstein, then yeah, it will no longer be used. Will it? I mean, if you stop writing stupid opinions in your dissent from real Supreme Court justices, then you won't write any more dumb things, will you? Katanji Brown-Jackson. Uh, but if that is, is its motivation, the majority proceeds in vain. If the colleges of this country are required to ignore a thing that matters, and she's talking about skin color, folks, make no mistake, it will not just go away. It will take longer for racism, believe us. And ultimately, ignoring race just makes it matter more. So basically what she wants to do is take the old dead carcass of American racism and beat it and beat it and beat it and beat it and beat it. It's still going to be dead. She wants to try to raise it up to resurrect it. She wants everybody in this country to focus on race more. That's not how you do it, Miss Supreme Court Justice. It doesn't work that way. When you discriminate for somebody, you discriminate against others. That's the way discrimination works. If you want to get rid of discrimination, by God, quit doing it. Again, I'm wasting my breath, I know. But let's get to the words of an adult. Uh, Justice Clarence Thomas. And he... Uh, he ain't got no time for Katanji Brown Jackson's BS, basically. Uh, some of the things he wrote. <coughs> uh, Thomas wrote, I join the majority opinion in full. I write separately to offer an originalist defense of the colorblind constitution to explain further the flaws of the court's uh, greater jurisprudence. To clarify that all forms of discrimination based on race, including so-called affirmative action, are prohibited under the Constitution and to emphasize the pernicious effects of all such discrimination. You've got the liberal, the leftist, all for discrimination as long as it suits her, her purpose. You've got the conservative, the patriotic, Amer patriotic American who believes in the Constitution who says, no, we don't need discrimination. Which side should you be on, my friends? Just Ask yourself that question at some point. Uh, more from Justice Thomas. Combining the citizenship guarantee with the privileges or immunities clause and the equal protection clause, the 14th Amendment <coughs> ensures protection for all equal citizens of the nation without regards to race. 
Put succinctly, our Constitution is colorblind. Uh, that's from the Plessy versus Ferguson uh, dissent, I believe. The dissent of Harlan, J. Harlan, was dissenting. But that's from the Plessy versus Ferguson case. Uh, despite the extensive evidence favoring the colorblind view, as detailed above, it appears increasingly in vogue to embrace an anti-subordination uh, view of the 14th Amendment that the amendment forbids only laws that hurt but not help blacks. Such a theory lacks any basis in the original meaning of the 14th Amendment. In other words, the left has taken something meant to wipe out racism or ban it in college admissions and things of that nature and to actually use it to punish people based on skin color while you reward others for theirs. <coughs> in other words, it's a piece of divisive garbage that should be thrown on the trash heap of history. Uh, more from Thomas. Properly understood, our presidents have largely adhered to the 14th Amendment's demand for colorblind laws. In an effort to salvage their patently unconstitutional programs, the universities, uh, and their Amici pivot to argue that the 14th Amendment persists, per, permits excuse me, the use of race to benefit only certain racial groups rather than applicants writ large, yet this is just the latest disguise for discrimination. The sudden narrative shift is not surprising, as it has long been apparent that the diversity uh, was merely the current rationale of convenience to support racially discriminatory admission programs. Without such guardrails, the 14th Amendment would become self-defeating, promising a nation based on the equality ideal, but yielding a quota and caste-ridden society steeped in race-based discrimination. And one more from Thomas. Even taking the desire to help on its face what initially seems like aid may in reality be a burden, including for the very people it seeks to assist. Take, for example, the college admission policies here. Affirmative action policies do nothing to increase the overall number of blacks and Hispanics able to access a college education. Rather, those racial policies simply redistribute individuals among institutions of higher learning, placing some in the more competitive institutions than they otherwise would have attended. And please go to LegalInsurrection.com. You can read the whole thing. Uh, it's from the June the 29th. <clears throat> and the title is Clarence Thomas is reading his epic takedown of KBJ's affirmative action dissent left her visibly angry. Someone said that when she was reading Thomas's dissent, uh, to her opinion, to her vote, because she wanted to keep affirmative action. She wanted to keep race-based racism uh, because she's uh, not a biologist or something. Uh, what she should say is I'm not a Supreme Court justice. Obviously she can't hack that one. But uh, that's what Thomas was doing and she was visibly angry as he, well, scolded her. Uh, like the petulant child she apparently is. Uh, but go read that all at Legal Insurrection, my friend. Now let me show you the opposite side of Clarence Thomas. The wonderful, accepting, tolerant, inclusive, diverse side. The liberals, the leftists. It's not even fair to call them liberals anymore. They're leftists. They are 
thinly veiled Marxist. And Eli Mustall, the uh, well, the world's largest chia pet, my friends. Google a picture of him, you'll figure out what I mean. He is the super chia pet. He has been spouting nonsense and, and racial demagoguery for, for years now on MSNBS. Uh, he's not a stupid man. He knows how to keep himself relevant, keep himself getting on TV, uh, selling books, etc., etc. Peddling his, his nastiness, his anti-Americanism, and his Marxist theology. That's who he is. Uh, but he's not a, a lawyer who... Uh, who has any appreciation for America. This is not someone who's pro-American, just simply has a, a point of view opposite of some others who love America. This is a man who hates America and who loathes people like Clarence Thomas because Clarence Thomas dares not to be the Negro that Eli Mustel demands that black people be. And I don't want to hear anything from the NAACP when y'all stop calling yourself the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, then you can talk about race. Otherwise, shut up and continue to, your, your uh, indescribable descent into complete and utter non-existence. I will cheer the day when that group goes away and find something else to do other than race bait. Uh, but let's get to what uh, Mustall said about Justice Thomas in particular. Uh, Joey Reed, the nasty, nasty host of MSNBS's The Readout, welcomed the nation's justice correspondent, Eli Mustall. That's right. And his hair. Onto her Friday show to recap the week's Supreme Court decisions and naturally incendiary hot takes soon followed, including the, that Justice Clarence Thomas is a mutilated version of a black justice who is his wife's puppet because his wife is wife. His, his wife is white. I don't think his wife is wife. His wife is white is what I meant to say. Are you confused? I am. My mouth has lost control of itself. Uh, but yes, his wife, his, uh, wife is white. Eli Mustall apparently doesn't think black men should marry white women, I guess. Or maybe black women shouldn't marry white women. Or maybe, who knows? I mean, I don't know if, if transgender people, can they marry the wrong race too, according to the left? Because the left has all these rules, what you can or can't do depending on your political party, your ideology, and your skin color in America. So you can't mock a, a, a mixed-race couple, which no one should, because you're a jackass if you do. But if you're a liberal, you can mock Clarence Thomas, who's black, and his, his uh, wife, who is white. Double standards on top of double standards, wrapped in more double standards, dipped in the batter of double standard, and fried in double thick. Double thick, my friends. Imagine double thick, double artery clogging oil. That's what the left serves up every day. Bunch of jackals. But on J Joy Rhodes, uh, Joy reads the read out. 
when discussing the downfall of affirmative action, a confused read. She is always confused. This is from Newsbusters, by the way. And yes, she does. Alex Christie wrote this. Yes, she does seem confused. She doesn't know whether to pretend to be nice or let her her inner uh, nastiness come out. Because she's a nasty, nasty human being. Uh, she said, I thought Plessy was like verboten. Like nobody wants to talk about Plessy versus Ferguson. Uh, Reed said, before anyone could ask who objects to talking about Plessy, Reed continues. See, you make a claim if you're a loudmouth leftist, and then you just keep going. You don't give anybody a chance to have input, and soon it gets forgotten among all the all other among the other all the other stupid things you've said. My mouth is not working well. Uh, I may have to stop, slap myself, and start re-recording. I hope not. So I don't like pain like that. Okay, I don't get into that kind of thing. You kinky freaks. Uh, Reed continued, and at one point, make this make sense for me, please. You're a lawyer. She's talking to Elon Mastal, the Chia Pet. In his concurrence, he claims that the Freedmen's Bureau Act, which created the Freedmen's Bureau, you know, that was supposed to rematriculate former enslaved people, all of whom, uh, 100% of whom were black, back into society. He said, oh, that was a colorblind statute. How could the Freedmen's Bureau, Eli Mustall, be a colorblind statute? Make that make sense. Poor Joey. Since Reed won't quote the actual passage here, see, she misquoted Clarence Thomas because she's not as smart as one of his shoes. Here is what Thomas actually wrote. Importantly, however, the acts applied to freedmen and refugees a formerly race-neutral category, not blacks writ large. In other words, not only the blacks. So Joy Reid got the facts wrong because she's Joy Reid. As for Mustall, he immediately resorted to smear tactics, uh, saying it's colorblind if you're like Clarence Thomas and your whole ideological perspective involves gouging out your own eyes. I like MSNBS. They never go over the top of their rhetoric, MSNBS, do they? They always close to the vest. Very, very conservative language. They don't offend anybody. <laughs> oh, what a what a absolute cesspool MSNBS is. And we all know what's in cesspools, don't we? Yes, we do. That's right. Uh, must all continued like, and that's what Thomas is. Like, he is such a mutilated version of a black justice that he is able to make these proclamations that, well, just fly in the face of law and facts, right? Uh, wrong, Eli. You've never been right about anything. Ever. Mustall then proceeded to make the evidence free claim that Thomas has something personal against his colleague, again, Katanji, Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson. Uh, one of the other things you really realize when you read through his concurrence is just how angry he is at Katanji Brown-Jackson for having the temerity to be another black person on the Supreme Court. The left makes this stuff up as they go. Every, they see everything through a, a racial lens. Everything. It's, it's truly sad, my friends. Uh, he apparently thought he got to be the only one. He thought that he had pulled up the ladder for everyone else, right? Wrong, Eli. Again, wrong. You're always wrong. 
After accusing Thomas of throwing a tantrum at Jackson, Mistal tried to claim that Jackson is making the actual originalist argument in the affirmative action case. She is the one pointing out that the 13th, 14th Amendment was done explicitly for racial restorative policies like affirmative action, which, as I said yesterday, the first time that happened in this country was during Reconstruction. In her dissent, Jackson invoked again lived experiences, which are a lot of things, but one thing they are not is a substitute for dispassionate legal arguments, especially not originalist ones. <clears throat> Regardless, Mustall returned to the idea that Thomas has gouged out his own eyes and, and added that he is willingly his wife's puppet. <clears throat> because you got to bring that in, you got to smear him. You can't just argue, you can't debate. Because you have no facts, you have to attack. You have to attack. <clears throat> so this is a history that Clarence Thomas ignores. Mistal continued, and that's why he's so and that's why he's so fabulous about all the stuff that's in his concurrence. He's a fabulous now. This from the guy with a oh, fabulous hair. Oh my God, your hair, man, fabuloso. Seriously, he's just he's just like plucked out his own eyes, and he doesn't want to see anything that Miss Jenny tells him he shouldn't be able to see. That's where he is in his head space right now. I don't know where you are, Eli. You're on a different planet, in a different universe, in a different Milky Way, but whatever. Clarence Thomas has been very vocal about how he views affirmative action and how it diminishes his and other successes and perpetrates Racial stereotypes. Of course it does. It's based on that theory, basically. But Mastal ignored all that so he could throw a few cheap shots at Clarence Thomas, who is uh, infinitely more intelligent than Mastal and infinitely more honest than Eli Mastal. Uh, now here's a story, my friends. I'll make you a perk yet. Make you feel better. From two days ago... What activities around your home, on your property, do you think would you be the least likely to be attacked? While you're mowing your lawn, would that be included? I think it would. Um, <clears throat> I gotta say, I this is a shocking story, but I guess it takes all kinds in the world of being criminals. <clears throat> A neighborhood with the tree-lined street seems safe enough in the middle of a Sunday morning. That's when an irate neighbor <clears throat> attacked his victim with a set of garden shears. Garden shears. I don't think he's going to give the guy a haircut or a trim of his mustache or something. Garden shears, you know, that could be a nasty weapon. The victim retreated until he had to save his life. Neighbors called the police when they heard the gunshots. So neighbor A is mowing his damn lawn. Neighbor B gets crazy or whatever. Maybe watched Eli Mistal or something. I don't know. Um, but he gets a pair of garden shears and attacks his neighbor. And his neighbor is forced to pull his firearm and shoot him. It's Sunday morning, dudes. You mow your lawn. You read the paper. Drink some. You know, really, just can't we relax on a Sunday morning, people? I would say if they were in church on Sunday, this wouldn't have happened. But 
I wasn't in church on Sunday either, so I don't want to be a hypocrite. We just don't. Now, the rest of this story, as if Paul Harvey were here, I wanted some more details. This is on uh, uh, Ben Sentinel, the Broken Arrow Sentinel. Uh, Oklahoma is where it's in, where it happened. Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. I've actually went on, been on vacation there in that area of uh, Oklahoma. Very beautiful area. Really friendly people. I would never expect somebody to get attacked for mowing their lawn there. Uh, but a homeowner who's, who police believe was accosted by a neighbor Sunday over yard work shot and killed the aggressor. The, the Tulsa Police Department said officers were called to the 1200 block of Blah 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 Avenue around 10.30 a.m. about a shooting. Officers arrived to find Blake Williams dead in the backyard of the residence. Uh, through the investigation and numerous interviews with witnesses and neighbors, officers learned the incident began when the homeowner doing yard work uh, up in the front yard. Williams approached him and then became aggressive. According to the police, the homeowner asked Williams to leave several times. Williams eventually cornered the homeowner in the garage and began attacking him and cutting him with, with lawn trimming shears. And a physical fight ensued. At one point, the homeowner managed to get away from Williams, retrieved his gun, and again tried to get Blake Williams to leave. Go home, Blake. Take your shears and get the hell out of here. But no, Blake Williams didn't want to leave. Uh, Williams started walking away, then turned and ran at the homeowner who shot him. Williams died on the scene. Uh, that's just a crazy story. Crazy story. If there's any more, go to the Broken Arrow Sentinel, and uh, they might have more, might have updates or something. What makes you, what possesses a person to get a pair of garden shears and says, I'm going to go attack that guy for mowing his lawn. There's some crazy people in the world, my friends. And crazy people, as the other McCain often puts it, are dangerous Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs can be funny. It can also be dangerous. Never forget that. Speaking of dangerous and Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Oh, 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 what a segue. We've got some Hunter Biden news. Hunter, Hunter update. Uh, the world's worst father, who denies his daughter is his daughter. Uh, son of Joe Biden, the worst president ever, who's maybe the worst grandfather ever because he won't even acknowledge his granddaughter exists. You're the president. You can help this girl out. You know, you could be just a grandfather, Joe. Is is it that hard? Or do you have to make money off something? You corrupt old man. Or you're not interested. Really, you should disown your crack-smoking, porn-making, gun-toting, illegal gun-toting scumbag son, maybe, and adopt your or, or do more for your granddaughter uh, but apparently the New York Post reports that uh, Hunter Biden apparently filmed himself smoking crack <laughs> he it's like he can't stop doing it okay I film myself I've taken pictures uh, I don't know I, I want to do a painting of me smoking crack 
while naked with crack whores. Can I do that? What a what an absolute loser Hunter Biden is. I guess the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, but he apparently filmed himself smoking crack behind the wheel of a car in 2018. Uh, the same year he took a picture of himself driving in a Porsche. Well, there's actually a detail about what he was doing driving in the Porsche. Something I could understand wanting to do in a Porsche, but cer- certainly something that would be very unsafe. He was driving 172 miles per hour. And, you know, Porsches are pretty good at going really fast. Uh, but he fa- took a picture of himself driving 172 in a Porsche. Now, that wouldn't be a danger to anyone's life, right? Driving that fast? That couldn't possibly get anybody killed or anything. So, again, Hunter Biden, great humanitarian. He didn't kill anybody while driving 172 miles per hour in a Porsche, taking pictures of himself. What a wonderful guy that Hunter Biden is. Biden, who is 53, is seen flashing what looks like a crack pipe. Uh, you know, Hunter, if you see Hunter, you know the crack pipe's there somewhere. They don't go home, they don't leave home without each other. Uh, smoking it while driving through a residential neighborhood in Arlington, Virginia, on June the 12th of 2018, according to photos uploaded by Marco Polo. Boy, that guy never goes to the swimming pool, does he? He never goes to a public pool, ever. Uh, I'm sure that's not his real name. Uh, he's a non, he makes non-profit films. Oh, excuse me, I'm sorry, let me say that again. According to the photos uploaded by Marco Polo, who is a, it says a non-profit firm headed by former Donald Trump aide Garrett Ziegler. So it's a... A firm, actually, is Marco Polo. Not a person, I apologize. About the obvious swimming reference. Of course, Hunter will drive 172 into swimming pools and probably smoke crack while he's doing it. He probably would do that. Less than two months later, he was seen racing to Las Vegas on August the 1st when he took a snap of the car's dashboard, revealing that he was going 172 miles per hour. The pictures were found on Biden's infamous laptop, you know, the one that he couldn't find, the one that didn't exist, the one that was Russian disinformation, the one that the public didn't need to know about because it would hurt Joe Biden's election chances in 2020. That's an honest bunch, the Bidens. God, so pure as a driven snow, that family. <clears throat> So the pictures were on his laptop. Also contained messages to multiple women waiting for him to arrive in Sin City for a hot tub party. <laughs> Hunter, don't don't leave your laptop, man. We need that. And de- yeah, we need your camera and like a Porsche and a crack pipe or two or four, four hundred maybe. I don't know. Uh, I don't have a bathing suit, and I really wanted to wear a cute bathing suit, one woman named Cheryl wrote to President Biden's troubled son. But I don't have any money to buy one, so then I'm just going to have to be naked, right? (laughs) Part of of Hunter Biden's extensive array of social justice initiatives. Bikinis for naked women or something. Free bikini and free crack. Bring your own crack pipe. 
we'll make a porno and I'll pay for it. Hunter Biden. Um, <clears throat> uh, the biggest party, however, appeared to be more than some of the women expected with another writing. Honestly, babe, the problem is you have too many girls there. She added, I understand you like a lot of girls. That's, that's fine. Do one at a time. The Vegas trip appears to have taken place during the weeks-long bender Hunter Biden admitted going on in January uh, of 2019. Uh, that's in a conversation with a, with a hooker who was caught on video when he forgot to turn off his laptop camera after having sex with her. That's romantic, Hunter, really. You're a, you're a romantic guy. <clears throat> And there it is. There's all the pictures at the New York Post. Uh, you can find the pictures at some of them anyway. <clears throat> class act, that Hunter Biden. Class, class, class act. I'm so glad we elected his daddy. I'm, I'm so glad we elected that clown to be president. <clears throat> now, one more story, my friends. And uh, let me see. Uh, I'm just going to do the brief version. This is this is hard to read. Uh, Joe Newby has the piece on lidblog.com. <clears throat> and the headline reads, Grieving Mother Tells California, Tells How the State of California Stole Her Daughter, Transitioned Her Daughter, Then Caused the Daughter Suicide. And there's a video here you should watch. It's tough. It's not easy. But watch it. Because you need to understand the face of these people that are trying to destroy this country. <clears throat> While testifying at a California Judiciary Senate hearing earlier this month, Abigail Martinez missed no words telling how the liberal state of California took her daughter, quote, over a name and pronouns. They took custody of the child. Calling her abusive for not affirming her daughter's self-identified gender. So her daughter had some mental Ill, health issues, she felt. And, and the state of Marks of Orney took the child away because the mother refused to affirm her daughter's mental illness. After three years in state custody involving cross-sex hormones, the young girl took her life by placing herself in front of a train. Uh, there's a partial transcript of the testimony uh, as posted by the Daily Signal. Uh, the mother says, My daughter was murdered by gender ideology. CPS took my daughter when she was 16. It was helped by her public school counselor. Yeah, that's the role of public schools now. And an LGBT group and another trans-identified girl. In other words, other mentally ill people. My daughter was taken from her loving home because the state of California claimed that I was abusive for not affirming her trans identity. I lost my daughter over a name and pronouns. Even after I promised to call her a male name, it wasn't enough. My daughter was not a boy trapped in a girl's body. She had mental health issues. Against my consent, my daughter was given testosterone instead of therapy. The LGBT group LGBTQ group used her to raise money for them. Look at the poor reject trans boy, she said, or they said. Why are there so many transgender people in foster care? Because this state takes them from their families, tells them to run, 
then steal them. Parents are forgiven, are given rather one option to treat their distressed child, affirm drug, and remove their healthy body part, or else lose your child. The abuse claim against me was finally dropped, but it was too late. The damage had been done. By then, my daughter was in horrible mental and physical pain. My daughter knelt down in front of a train. She was murdered by gender ideology. I beg you stop pushing gender ideology, the mother said. I don't want any parent to feel what I feel every day. Affirmation is not good for the health, safety, and welfare of any child. <clears throat> and there's a longer video you can watch uh, watch at uh, the link on the lidblog.com. And the Daily Signal has it as well. <clears throat> now, the Daily Signal also noted that Senator, State Senator of Marxifornia, Scott Weiner, what an appropriate name, uh, Democrat San Francisco appeared to ignore the concerns from parents across California and the country. He claimed that opposition to the bill <clears throat> was, quote, erasing trans kids and that coverage by AB 957 was a coordinated campaign by right-wing media. He further claimed that this campaign was meant to serve a narrative criticizing the fact that a gay man had introduced a bill. I don't think it was the fact that you're gay, Representative Weiner. I think that uh, the contents of the bill were the really, really uh, troublesome things to the people who opposed it. Weiner claimed that 99% of those who transi transition do not regret it, causing a parent in the room to shout, you're a liar. I would like to see his numbers. I bet he can't produce them. What do you want to bet he can't produce them? There's more as the Daily Signal reported in March uh, about this woman. She learned that her daughter had knelt on railroad tracks and raised her hands toward the sky as the train approached. Uh, Martinez told the Daily Signal, I don't want any parent to go through this. This pain never goes away. You breathe and you can feel the pain. She said she questioned Child of Family Services after her daughter's death, saying, Where's my daughter? You took her away from me, my family, now she's gone. You told me that she was going to be better off. And she said the agency had no adequate response. Well, they probably had no response, because that's how much they care about you. They care about their agenda. Very sad, my friend. There's a lot more at this, uh, at this post on lidblog.com. Grieving mother tells how California stole her daughter, transitioned her, then caused her suicide. Um, very, 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 very hard to listen to or uh, to watch the videos and, and audio attached to that. It, it is very tough. Uh, it's tough. And I've hold, held off a couple days talking about that because it's very tough to talk about. God bless you, my friends. Thank you. Happy July 4th. Happy Independence Day again. Um, God bless you and yours. Remember, if you're left, you just ain't right. God bless America. And yes, as always, got to throw it in there. Go Gators. Y'all be good. The advice of the week, stay the hell away from Hunter Biden in a Porsche. 
if he has a crack pipe and a video camera of any sort. That's my advice for all the young ladies out there. God bless y'all. And happy birthday, America. Now, go do something fun, you knuckleheads, will you please? Go barbecue or something. Drink a beer. And no, not Bud Light. <laughs>